0: Chapter 9 of the Flying Stingaree by Harold Goodwin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Burrard. Chapter 9 The Duck Blind Orville Harris had described the opening to the hidden waterway, but when the boys examined the line of reeds and marsh grass, there was no sign of it. He said thirty yards downstream, Scotty remembered. Rick was at the wheel of the runabout. Climb out on the bow, he suggested. Take the boat hook with you. I'll just keep nosing in until we find it. Okay. Scotty took the short aluminum boat hook from its fastenings in the small cockpit, stood upon the seat, and stepped over the windshield to the bow. For a moment he surveyed the shoreline from his higher vantage point. There's a place that looks promising he held the boat hook out like a spear pointing rick put the runabout in gear and moved forward at idling speed looking over the side he could see the bottom clearly they were in only two feet of water and the outboard was stirring up mud at the stern no good scotty called that one doesn't go anywhere try up a stream another six feet rick turned the boat watching for the opening scotty had spotted he saw it a moment later looks too small he called back i think it opens up go ahead slow the runabout nosed up to the almost solid line of tall swamp grass and scotty leaned forward i think this is it take it easy the heavy grass rubbed on both sides of the boat but nothing impeded its progress the runabout pushed through the brown-green swale until it was almost enclosed by the grass then they were through into a narrow channel with high grass on both sides it was hard for rick to see ahead because of the turns and scotty served as his eyes motioning from one side to the other as the channel shifted rick wondered if the sound of the outboard motor could be heard at the mansion and decided it probably could not the heavy marsh grass was a good sound baffle, and the motor was relatively quiet he leaned out trying to see ahead there were many birds in the swamp and next to the boat a surprised snapping turtle looked up briefly then scurried into the mud for cover the channel was narrowing now scotty looked back and drew his hand across his throat in the old signal to cut brick instantly killed the motor i'll pull us scotty said softly he began using the boat-hook as a pole digging it into the bank and pulling the runabout ahead finally he stopped and wiped sweat from his face this is about as far as we can go rick took a swipe at a black fly that bit him on the arm okay let's collect the gear and get started scotty tied the boat to a projecting route while rick took the equipment from its place under the seat and put it in within reach on the forward deck then jumped ashore his feet hit apparently solid ground but kept right on going down into a foot of ooze he lifted one foot that was a black blob of mud tried to locate more solid footing on which to place it and gave it up as a bad job he leaned over and took the telescope case and tripod scotty picked up the polaroid camera and their binoculars and came ashore sinking into the swamp as rick had done he grinned wryly we're up to our knees in this mystery already rick lifted a foot with five pounds of mud clinging to it if we get in it up to our hips we'll have a fine time getting out how far do you think it is to the duck blind maybe twenty-five yards not much more than that maybe less come on slowly because of the need to haul each foot out of the mud the boys started through the swale the marsh grass was over their heads forming a thick screen the grass however was no handicap to the biting flies within a few seconds each boy was carrying equipment in one hand using the other to fight off the swarms an occasional mosquito added to their discomfort the muddy ooze thinned then gave way to higher ground the marsh grass was less thick and there was an occasional clump of willow rick studied the terrain ahead and in a moment caught sight of dark green foliage among the brown tips of swamp grass in a few more feet he made out the tops of trees and then the glint of sunlight on the aluminum of the antenna they had come to photograph scotty had seen it too he stopped and the boys consulted we're about twenty yards too far upstream scotty guessed rick estimated as best he could i think you're right let's stay on high ground and head downstream a little we must be almost there scotty turned and rick followed waving uselessly at the cloud of insects he was grateful for the advice steve had given them to wear long trousers and long-sleeved shirts If they had been wearing shorts, the insects would have had free access to several square feet of bare hide. Both boys counted steps automatically, and after twenty paces downstream, Scotty turned toward the mansion once more. They pushed through the tall grass into thick mud, then into water with a deep, muddy bottom. A few more steps and the grass thinned. Scotty stopped and motioned Rick back they moved sideways then forward again and emerged with the duck blind between them and calvert's favor rick thought to himself that it had been pretty good navigation considering that most of the journey had been blind in grass over their heads apparently scotty thought so too he turned and gave rick a big grin then headed for the rear of the duck blind the water deepened washing off some of the mud Rick reached down and slashed a handful on his face. It was warm. He saw a wet black head emerge from under the duck blind and speed for shore. It was a startled water rat. Alerted by the small splash of their coming, the rodent decided to take better cover. Then they were at the corner of the blind, where the entrance was located. The floor of the blind was level with their chests. Rick looked in there wasn't much space since the blind had been built to provide only a space for hunters to sit wait and then shoot for kneeling or sitting positions both boys put their equipment on the dry wooden floor then rick swung himself up and pushed the equipment back to make room for scotty for a moment they sat on the floor resting coming through the swamp had been exhausting work after a few moments rest rick moved to the side of the duck blind and found a small opening, a square window about six inches on a side, that had apparently been made to give the hunters a view in that direction. The opening was near the forward, upstream corner, and it looked out on Calvert's favor. Merlin the Mysterious and his two close companions were sitting under the willow tree, enjoying something liquid from tall glasses. As Rick watched, a fourth man, evidently a servant, brought a tray on which a silver pitcher rested the boy could see the trickles of water cascading down the outside and knew they were caused by moisture condensing on the cold metal of the pitcher he moistened his lips a fine pair of dunderheads he and scotty were they had come without even a canteen of water Easy shot he whispered to scotty let's set up and take the pictures then get out of here i'm getting thirsty just watching them scotty adjusted the tripod while rick took the telescope out of his case with reverent hands it was a beautiful and delicate piece of equipment steve's personal property and he appreciated the trust the agent had placed in them by allowing its use he fitted the instrument to the mounting screw on the tripod then aimed it through the six-inch window when he squinted through the eyepiece he saw only willow branches but by keeping his eye in place and cranking the geared tripod head he quickly aligned the telescope with the trio under the willow the telescope had a fixed focus and was designed for looking at stars consequently the field of vision was extremely narrow at the short distance across the water and rick could only manage to get merlin and his small insignificant-looking companion into the frame what's more they were upside down as is common in reflecting telescopes the boy knew there was an erecting prism in the case a device that would put the image upright but it couldn't be used with the camera anyway it wouldn't matter since the print could be turned over he studied the faces in the upside-down position the telescope gave him an even better close-up than at the restaurant again he groped for the identity of the white-haired man but it eluded him Scotty tapped him on the shoulder and motioned that the camera was ready. Rick moved aside, and his pal quickly fitted the camera to the telescope and tightened the mounting rings. Rick nodded to indicate that the telescope was on target, and Scotty tripped the camera. The advantage of the Polaroid camera is that the picture can be seen within seconds. Scotty quickly went through the simple routine and within a quarter of a minute the boys were looking at the photo it was an excellent close-up but a trifle dark scotty opened the iris on the camera another stop and rick rechecked the alignment scotty snapped the picture and processed it this time it was perfect only slightly hazy because of the rising heat waves across the hundred yards of distance rick readjusted the telescope for a full view of the third man His picture was added to the others. Scotty wiped both with fixative and put them on the floor to dry. The antenna was next. Rip focused on it without difficulty, but the field of view was so narrow that he couldn't see all of it. They would have to photograph it in two sections, then fit the prints together. Five minutes after their arrival at the duck blind, they were back in the swamp the pictures protected in a plastic bread wrapper rick had brought they got directly across the swamp and emerged hot sticky and dirty only a few yards from the boat they stowed the equipment wordlessly then pulled backwards into the wider channel it was too narrow to turn so rick started the motor and backed out with great caution once in the clear they headed at top speed for steves tied up at the pier and plunged into the water without even bothering to remove their clothes their only precaution was to empty their pockets rick luxuriated in the coolness of clean water then stripped to his undershorts and threw his sodden clothes onto the pier only when he was sure he had washed off the last of the clinging mud did he pull himself up to the houseboat cockpit scotty following they toweled and put on clean clothes then carried the equipment back to the farmhouse. Two bottles of Coke apiece from the refrigerator had them feeling normal again. Over the last one, they studied the photos. I don't think we've ever known Merlin, Rick said thoughtfully. We have seen him, but we don't know him. Scotty scratched a mosquito bite. Think he might be some kind of public figure? Rick looked up sharply. I think you hit it. If that's true, we should be able to get him identified easily. Steve could do it through Janik, Scotty suggested. It wouldn't take too long. He won't be home until tonight, and the pictures wouldn't reach Janik until tomorrow. Then it would take a day to check it out. Are we in a hurry? Scotty asked. Rick chuckled. I am, but don't ask me why. Look, I'll bet Duke or Jerry could identify it by going through the newspaper morgue their newspaper friends were owner editor and reporter for the Whiteside paper back home they're on vacation scotty reminded him once each year the paper was turned over to a friend of duke's a former newspaper man turned professor of journalism who used the occasion to give some of his students practical experience that was true rick remembered neither duke nor jerry would be available who else did they know who could help suddenly he snapped his fingers i've got it ken holt would help if we could get the picture to him ken holt the young newsman whose adventures were a favorite reading for rick and scotty had once asked spindrift for help and rick had given him a set of pocket-sized radio transceivers of the kind known as the megabuck network sandy allen is a photographer scotty pointed out he might know these people rick took a chair next to the telephone and dialed the operator a person-to-person call he stated to mr ken holt at the brentwood advance brentwood new jersey he put his hand over the mouthpiece let's hope he and sandy aren't off on an assignment somewhere luck was on their side ken holt was in and he was delighted to be of help put the picture in the mail the young reporter suggested if you make it airmail, special delivery we'll have it first thing in the morning with luck we might even get it tonight we'll phone you as soon as we have an identification incidentally the megabuck units work like a charm as i told you when i wrote thanks a lot glad they were helpful rick replied we'll hurry to town and get the picture in the mail right away he hung up and nodded at scotty we'll get the picture ready and take it to town when we go to pick steve up if we're a little early the letter probably will go out on the early evening plane to washington scotty nodded what time is it rick glanced at his watch nearly three we'll be ready to take off as soon as steve calls or doesn't if he calls that means he won't be back scotty reminded no matter we'll go to town anyway and have an early dinner Rigid envelopes and letter paper on the houseboat. He wrote a brief note to Ken, addressed the envelope, and printed "air mail special delivery" on both sides. Then enclosed the best picture of Merlin and sealed it. Scotty spent the time on a small repair job, taping up the neoprene gasoline hoses that carried fuel to the houseboat motors. By the time he was finished, it was nearly four. The boys went into the house to wait. Steve called on the dot of four rick steve i'm sorry fellow i have a little more to do on this case and i'll have to stay over everything going all right rick briefed him quickly on the day's events and steve replied it takes about half an hour for a letter to make the early evening plane allow enough time we will rick assured him anything new on the sighting data not yet i sent the cards to the computing center but they won't have time to run the data through until tomorrow for the next day make yourselves at home and don't spend all your time on flying stingarees get in some fishing and swimming rick assured him that they were enjoying the vacation and would try to get in some fishing he hung up and turned to scotty he'll be in tomorrow on the same plane he wants us to get in some fishing scotty chuckled i thought he knew you better than that give you a mystery to chew on and there's no room for anything else in that thick brandish skull we'll solve this one rick said confidently then we'll fish scotty just grinned End of chapter nine